So tell me, what's your name? Morgan. Morgan. Have you ever heard of somebody named Morgan Spurlock? Just say, just say yes or no. No. No? Do you think Morgan Spurlock is a boy or a girl? Boy. Mm-hmm. And do you know what Morgan Spurlock does? What kind of job he has? No. Right, I'm going to give you four different kinds of jobs. You tell me which one Morgan Spurlock does. Okay? Morgan, do you think Morgan Spurlock is A, a teacher, B, a mechanic, C, a Swedish chef, or D, a filmmaker? A. What was A? I forgot. Teacher. What, was, what does he teach? First grade. Uh-huh. Is he a good teacher? I think. Yeah. I have to tell you, that is not correct. So there's three left. We said B, mechanic, C, Swedish chef, or D, filmmaker. So which do you think Morgan Spurlock is? B. You think he's a mechanic? Uh-huh. What kind of cars does he work on? Jeeps. Jeeps. Oh, nice. I have to tell you, I'm sorry, but that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so that, le that means that Morgan Spurlock is either C, a Swedish chef, or D, a filmmaker. What do you think? D. D. What kind of movies do you think he makes? I don't know. You don't know? Do you think he makes comedies or dramas or scary movies or documentaries? Documentary. <laughs> That's right. That's right. One of his first movies was very popular, and he was nominated for an Oscar for that. Have you ever heard of an Oscar? Uh, yeah. Yeah? What is that? Oscar by <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you know that song? How does it go? Uh, I just forgot. Oh, I wish I, I were. I ask a that. is what I truly like to be. Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my niece Morgan, who we're going to call Little Fry, talking about the big fry, Morgan Spurlock. Now, I saw Morgan, my Morgan, and my family over the holiday weekend, and she was giving me some content ideas for the podcast. Now, I don't mean she sparked some ideas for it. No, she literally said, Achoo, that's my nickname. Achoo, we should talk about that on the podcast. So I'm happy to know that we've got another producer helping us out, Alex. <laughs> so as many of you know, we recently recorded our show at the NYC PodFest, and the headliner was Morgan Spurlock. So today's episode is going to feature a story from Morgan and me. And since we've got two Morgans on this episode, we're calling this the McMorgan episode. We've got Supersize Morgan and Happy Meal Morgan. First up, though, is a story from the only person on today's show not named Morgan, me. 
This is about the time I was deceived by a national women's magazine. So, I don't know about you guys, but I've always had a lot of trouble with women's magazines, um, mostly because they're kind of phony, and they espouse the dumbest advice, like how to please your man with a scrunchie, or you know what his dick pic says about you. But when a national women's magazine asked me to be in a piece on self-esteem in the magazine, I jumped at the chance. Um, I don't want to give it away, but um, it rhymes with Cherie Dare. (laughs) And the reason I wanted to do it was because self-esteem is a topic I really believe in, and I thought that would be something that I could totally stand behind, and I thought it would be good for my career. So they send me this questionnaire, and they want to know all different kinds of things. And one of the things they wanted to know was my personal style. Now, my personal style at the time, which was 10 years ago, could best be described as simply retro, and also not a lot of effort. (laughs) And uh, so I would wear things like Candyland t-shirts. I had a t-shirt with an ear of corn that read me so corny underneath it. because I know what the fella's like. (laughs) And then I would wear all these cool watches. Like I had an Etch-A-Sketch watch that did, like you could do real Etch-A-Sketch on, it was awesome. So, um, and then I told them like, I don't have, you know, piercings or tattoos or anything. So like by comparison, I'm, you know, a little bit conservative. And then they asked me to rate my my self-esteem on a scale of one to 10. And the way that I took that was one is a doormat and 10 is like Beyonce. And (laughs) so I gave myself a seven because I was like, I'm confident, but I'm not cocky. I have my insecurities. So I get an email back from Kylie uh, about a week later. And Kylie spells her name K-Y-L-E-I-G-H. Exactly. (laughs) And she's like, Robin, you sound great. This is how I assume she sounds in person. Uh, She's like, you sound great. You know, a lot of the girls don't really seem as confident as you are. And I was just wondering, would you mind bumping your number up from a seven to an eight? And I was like, God, I don't know. Like, I don't think that's fair to somebody who's like legitimately an eight. You know, like, I don't want to take that away from somebody. And I really wrestled with it, which is ridiculous because it's like a made up number, essentially. And finally, I agreed. And she's like, great. And so a couple weeks later, I go down to the meatpacking district. And there's this huge studio. The lights are so bright. And I'm instantly assaulted by this noxious cocktail of hair being singed and since you've been gone. And so I go like, I get like ushered through the ladies. I'm like, oh, this must be what it feels like a fashion week or something, you know? And they're like, we need to get you into wardrobe, stat. I was like, yeah, because I have a fat Albert t-shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a Pez watch on that dispenses real Pez. It's awesome. My watch collection is amazing. And so they take me into... um, into wardrobe and they put me in this very, very light sweater from Talbot's. I was like, "Uh, I don't wear Talbot's. And then they put me in this pencil thin skirt and these pointy, pointy, super, super high heels. And then they take out the worst offender, pearls. And I look in the mirror, I'm like, motherfucking pearls. And so I I I was looking at myself and I was like, God, this doesn't 
look like me. I feel awful. This is not representing my self-esteem well. You know, like my self-esteem went from like an eight to a zero. And the more I looked at myself, the more, the angrier I got. And I was like, God, I look like a fucking Republican. <sighs> and so I called Kylie over and I was like, Kylie, I think there was some kind of a mix-up. And she said, well, you said you were kind of conservative. And I was like, oh my God, this is so not what I meant. And she says, well, you're just going to have to live with it. And I wanted to say to her, like, listen, I don't wear heels as high as my hopes. This is not, this is not me. So I just suck it up. And I go in for the shoot. And the shoot has all 10 of us, all these girls, and they're so excited. And I feel awful. I really don't feel like myself. And they're taking the pictures, and I'm doing everything I can to destroy this shot <laughs> by not smiling. It was just like resting bitch face. And there's all the like stylists and all the people from Cherie Dare, and they're like, come on, ladies, come on, smile. You were going to be in Cherie Dare. And I'm like, I hate Cherie Dare right now. <laughs> um, apologies to anybody who works at Cherie Dare. And, <laughs> and, um, and finally, I give like a little smirk, and we break. So we're, during the break, I go over and I talk to one of the other girls. And I said, what did you rate yourself? And she said, a three. And I was like, Oh my God. And, and, and then she says, but they made me be a one. I know. I was a kicker while she's down. Jesus. And then it all kind of like hit me at once. And I was like, you have completely fallen into this trap. This is exactly what you don't like about women's magazines. And I just felt like such a fraud. And I hated every second of it. And I thought, well, what can I do to redeem myself? And finally, I came up with something. So I go over to the photographer because we were going to do our individual pictures and they were going to have us hold our numbers up on a sheet of paper because nothing makes your self-esteem skyrocket than that. And so I go over to the photographer and I said, hey, listen, I know I was kind of difficult during the shoot initially, but I'm actually kind of a goofball and can I kind of just like ham it up and be silly? And he's like, please, this place is fucking lifeless. So I do, and I'm like being a dork, and I'm like holding it up over my crotch, and I was just like loving every. I felt like so much more like myself, and I felt really good until the magazine came out. So months later, it comes out, and my heart is racing because I was like, this thing is going all over the place. And I open it up, and the first thing the headline reads is, Does your look match your self esteem? Uh, no. And then you turn the page and you see uh, every single one of us and we've got all of our numbers. And the shot they chose of me was basically, um, here I'll show you, was basically like the entire sheet of paper covering my face. It was, it was like this, <laughs> like this. And um, what they had a little blurb below it and it said some things that I had answered questions about. And one of the things that it said was, of course I have my share of body image issues that prevent me from being a perfect 10, confidence-wise, but who doesn't? I would never say that. <laughs> I was so mad. But, you know, while the whole thing didn't, like, completely ring true for me, I was actually happy that I found my self-esteem in that moment and was able to, like, kind of rise above it in the best way that I possibly could. Uh, and while I still don't love everything about women's magazines, my self-esteem has never been higher. Sometimes it's even an 11. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at Robin Gelfenbein. I'll let you figure out how to spell my last name. Just kidding. 
It's G-E-L-F-E-N-B-I-E-N. I have spelled that so many times over the last <clears throat> years. But please don't follow me in person. Okay, next up is a little more from Morgan, or what I call Morgan, including one of her signature jokes. Okay, so where does that you live? Unork City. That's right. I live in Unork City. Are you going to come visit me? I think in July. Yeah, July? Would you want to perform on stage at Yum's the Word? Yeah! Yeah? What would you do? Tell jokes. Yeah? Can you give us a sample of one of your jokes? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting Move. cow. <laughs> I think Move. I think that would be a good Move. one. <laughs> you know why I think Move. that would <laughs> I can't even say Move. that. Oh, my gosh. Well, she's certainly... I think that's a wonderful joke to do. You know why? Why? Because what do I make at my show? What kind of cakes? Ice cream. Ice cream cakes, yeah. And where does ice cream come from? One of the ingredients. Ice. <laughs> well, has milk in it, right? Yeah. And where does milk come from? Cow. Moo! <laughs> <laughs> Does it come from cows or, or interrupting cows? Interrupting cows. I hope Morgan makes it down to Unork City this summer, not only because it will be her first trip here, but you will love her knock knock jokes. All right, our final storyteller is the one and only Big Fry, Morgan Spurlock. Morgan is an incredible filmmaker and director who was nominated for his documentary, Super Size Me. He is the host and producer of CNN's Inside Man, and above all else, he's a new dad. Seriously, he had a baby the morning after our show. Before he told his story, I shared a little story about the way we met. Now, I need you guys to know the way that I met our first storyteller. Last year, I was invited to participate at the Global Family Reunion, which was this wonderful event that AJ Jacobs completely came up with this amazing idea to figure out how the entire world is related to one another. And they had Sister Sledge singing, We Are Family. Do you guys know that song? All right, so I went back to, I was like a legit like performer, but I wasn't really supposed to be in the VIP tent, but I was like, let me go see what's going on back there. I could get some water or something. So I go in and I see my friend Katie, and she said, they're gonna be singing We Are Family with Sister Sledge in a little bit. And I was like, really? Do you think I could go up there with them? And she's like, I don't care, come up, with, I don't care, come. So I was waiting backstage. Sister Sledge is like warming up, doing all these vocal exercises. And I was like, I can't believe I'm back here. And then I was like, I just want to get on stage. I just want to get on stage. So I get on the stage. And then once I'm up there, totally feeling greedy, I was like, now I want to sing with Sister Sledge. I was like, I'm going to sing with them. And so I was up there and I'm like, we are family. And I don't remember their names. Sherry, what's one of the singers' names from Sister Sledge? Kathy. Kathy. Is, that is that real? Okay. She's a, she's a jazz booker. She knows a lot about music. So, so Kathy's up there, singing to this huge crowd, and she turns around, puts the microphone in my face. I was like, shut up. And so I was like, we are family. We are family. Because that's the part they were singing. And... <laughs> 
And that went on, by the way, for like, it felt like two hours, but just <laughs> magical. And then after that, I was standing next to Morgan Spurlock, and I was like, if I get to sing, maybe harmonize with <laughs> Morgan Spurlock, I'm going to lose my mind. And so I tried. He was standing right next to me, but I hadn't spoken to him yet, and I didn't want to be kind of weird, so I was like just kind of waiting, and then I waited, and then it didn't happen. I was like, that's fine. And so we spoke afterwards. And so tonight, I was hoping that maybe that small dream of Robin Gelfenbein's <laughs> could come true. So Morgan, would you do me the honor of singing We Are Family? Um, so you guys obviously know this is a very talented filmmaker and director. He uh, was nominated for an Oscar for Super Size Me. And uh, you need to see CNN's Inside Man. But before that... The most important part. The most important part. Uh, we, we are family. family. I got all my sisters with me. We are family. Sing it to me. I got all my sisters with me. And now you see why they wouldn't let us sing together. Now it's obvious. Now it's obvious why she took the mic away. Um, and we are family very fitting tonight because I am here with my spectacularly beautiful and amazingly pregnant wife. And we're having a baby tomorrow. True story. True story. We show up at the hospital at 9. Apparently we go and check into our room. They like cut the belly. And like at 11.10 I got a baby. God bless science. It's an amazing thing. So I'm going to book out of here because she told me we have to leave after this. So thank you. I love podcasts because nobody can see me drinking. I'm going to be such a good dad. Um, I'll tell you guys my story. So my story goes back to 2009 um, when I was making a film. I had the idea of a film. For years, my partner and I talked about how do we, how do we make a film that kind of takes the piss out of the advertising world and, and kind of looks at advertising in a different way. And we came up with an idea for a film uh, called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. And the whole idea behind The Greatest Movie Ever Sold is we would make a movie about product placement, marketing, and advertising where the whole film would be paid for by product placement, marketing, and advertising. Genius. We were, we were like, oh my God, we're, so we were patting ourselves on the back, like this is the greatest idea ever. Every advertising agency in America is going to love this. And then we start calling them. This is like January of 2009. So we start calling all the ad agencies in New York and Chicago and LA and Seattle, you name it, Chicago on Wacker Drive. We're calling them all one by one. We talk to them one by one. They all say, absolutely not. Why would we ever make a movie like this? This is a terrible idea. Our clients would hate this. Nobody wants anything to do with this idea. No. There was one agency here in New York City. There's an agency called Kirschenbaum and Bond, John, uh, Richard Kirschenbaum and John Bond. They're like, they're like, we like it. We like it. I don't know who's going to do it, but we like it. Um, let, us, let us think about it. Let us think about some clients and we'll come back to you. So I said, okay, fine. Product placement companies. That's who I should go talk to. I should go talk to the people that actually put the things in the movies already. Those are the people that are going to want to make this movie because they already get it. They already understand what happens in these movies. So then I start calling them. Start calling the companies in New York and L.A., Austin, Chicago, you name it. I ended up meeting with a guy named Norm Marshall. Now, Norm Marshall is the king of product placement in movies. Like, if you've ever seen anybody drinking a Heineken in a movie, 
Norm Marshall put that Heineken in that guy's hand. If you ever see anybody wearing a pair of Ray-Bans, they're on his face because of Norm Marshall. If you see somebody vacuuming with a Dyson vacuum cleaner or driving up in a Cadillac, all put there because of this one guy. Like, this one guy is the king of putting all these things in the movies, and he represents all these brands. He's the guy. So I go to meet with Norm Marshall, and I pitch him the idea for the movie, and he just stares at me <laughs> for what feels like a very long, uncomfortable period of time. And he goes, you're serious. I said, no, I'm serious. This is going to be great. He's like, this isn't going to be great at all. This is going to be great. It might be great for you. This isn't going to be great for me. It's like, what do you, what, do you think you're going to come in here and like supersize my business, buddy? Is that what you think you're going to do? No, you're not. Not on my watch, pal. Not on my, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call everybody. Nobody's going to make this movie with you. And so I was like, whatever. Sure enough, he calls every product placement company in town before I even like get to the car. Like he's already put out the beep, 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 Cadillacs all over town delivering messages. You know, it's like, so, so I call up all the other companies. They're like, yeah, Norm already called us. You know, we're not interested. So nobody would make the film. So then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to take my destiny into my own hands. I am going to start just cold calling all these brands myself. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to call up the, the soda companies. I'm going to call up the credit card companies, the hotels, you name it. So one by one. So this was like now for the first month, you know, six weeks, we called the, the advertising agencies. Now we're in March going into April where just now I start cold calling the companies. So I start just going down the list, one after the other after the other, getting anybody I can to try and talk to me, and I'm just getting no after no, Pepsi, no, Coca-Cola, no, Visa, no, MasterCard, no, one by one all the way down. And so then I call Abercrombie and Fitch. You can see it already, right? You can already see it. You can already see how perfect this would be. So I call up Abercrombie and Fitch, and I get the woman on the phone, and she says, uh, do you want me to tell you why we would never make this movie? And especially why we would never make it with you? And I said, yes, I do. Because we were filming all this. You know, this is all, this is like, we we're filming this whole process as we're just spending money trying to find sponsors to actually make the movie. And so the woman says, okay, I'll tell you. First off, we would never, ever put Morgan Spurlock on a billboard. Ever. <laughs> ever. She goes, first off, you are old, like way too old. And I gotta tell you, not very good looking. Like some people would say kind of unattractive or funny looking even. And that skin color of yours, I don't even know what color that is. And that thing on your face, a mustache, a mustache. Mr. Spurlock, we sell clothing, not pornography. And I said to her, I said, I've seen your ads. I beg to differ. <laughs> she, she, was not, she was not too uh, happy with that. So no, so then they said no. They passed on the film. And then finally, after months, John Kirschenbaum, Richard Kirschenbaum and John Bond call me back. They say, we got somebody you should come talk to. We got one client out of all our clients who were, is actually willing to sit down with you. So I go in and meet with band deodorant. And so I talk to Bandy Odorant about the film. Here's what it is. And I, and I show them pictures and photographs of me. Like, and when you see me in the film, there I am, like, using Bandy Odorant. And look how excited I am. And I'm like. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, oh, yeah, we like that. We like that. I said, and anytime maybe when I talk to somebody, I, I have some on the table. And I offer them up like a tropical breeze or <laughs> some of the other magical band flavors. And they're like, oh, this is great. Because, you know, we're a, we're a challenger brand. And we need some of those good challenger ideas. And I was like awesome they said yeah so we're we're in I was like 
amazing. I was like, so for how much? And they're like, I don't know, like 50 grand. And I was like, so now nine months, hundreds and hundreds of brands later, I finally got the first brand, which is Van Deodorant. And what you start to realize about the world of advertising and, and brands in general is no one ever wants to be first and no one ever wants to be last. Everybody wants to be first to be second. That's what they want. And so the next day, the next day I leave and I'm on the phone with somebody like, I don't know, it's like Hyatt Hotels or someone. It's a big, it's a big dumb brand that I'm on the phone with the next day. It's a big company. It's a proper Fortune 500 company. And I'm on the phone with them and they're like, yeah, you have this idea. I don't know. Is anybody else doing it? And I said, well, <laughs> band deodorant's going to do it. Pause. And the guy says, well, you better come meet with us immediately. Band deodorant, linchpin of the advertising world changed everything. Suddenly, every single brand wanted to be a part of this. Every single brand wanted to be a part of the movie. And so that's when I said, you know what? I need to find all the other brands that I haven't called. Because I called all the big brands. So I went down, and I went to a grocery store, and I went to, I went to like pharmacies, and I walked up and down the aisle, writing down every single other challenger brand I've never heard of. What are all the other brands that don't have a nickel advertised but want to make this movie? And I went down the shampoo aisle, and I found a bottle of mane and tail. Now, who here knows what mane and tail is? Awesome. And sad. But for those of you who don't know what mane and tail is, I'll tell you, mane and tail is a shampoo and conditioner that is made for both people and horses. But think about it. Think about how many times you've been in the shower with your horse. And you've said... Why can't there be one shampoo and conditioner for both of us? And now there is. Mane and tail, genius of the shampoo industry. So I start chasing Devin Katzev. Devin Katzev is the CEO of the company. I'm calling him every day. I'm calling him every week. I'm chasing him down, chasing him down. Finally, I get him on the phone. And he goes, so what is, tell me about this movie. And so I tell him about it and what it is. And he goes, all right, it sounds interesting, but how do you, how do you see us in the movie? And I'm like, okay. Imagine this. So the camera starts off real close on a bottle of mane and tail. And the bottles are huge, by the way, because they're for horses. So you start off on a close-up of this bottle sitting on a table. And as the camera pulls back, you see me washing my little boy's hair in the bathtub. And the camera pulls back a little bit more. And then you see me washing my hair. And then the camera keeps pulling back, keeps pulling back. And then you see me turn to the other side, and I'm washing my Shetland pony. Silence. And then Devin goes, that's the greatest integration I've ever heard in my life. Oh my God, that's amazing. Woo! For a minute there, I thought you were going to do something weird with the product. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is horse history. So thank you much, guys. I'm going to go have a baby. Bye. That was Morgan Spurlock. You can find him on Twitter at Morgan Spurlock. You can also find a picture of Morgan's new son, Callan or it might be Kalen, I'm not sure. Not that you're gonna follow him on Instagram. Anyway, you can find a picture of Morgan's new son on our Instagram and the video of Morgan and me singing together on our Facebook page at Yum's The Word Show. We have a fantastic show coming up on Tuesday, July 12th, back at La Poisson Rouge. We've got Jordan Carlos, who's on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore. He also wrote for Larry at the President's uh, Correspondence Dinner. 
and many, many more soon to be announced. And maybe Morgan, my Morgan. You can find details on our site at yumsthewordshow.com. Now, do you love Orange is the New Black as much as I do? Well, if the answer is yes, you are not going to want to miss our next few episodes. They feature cast members and people connected to the show. Just tonight, we chatted with Kathy Curtin, who plays Corrections Officer Wanda Bell. And we've got funny true stories from Jason Biggs, Connie Shulman, who you know as Yoga Jones, Michelle Hurst, who plays Miss Claudette, and Larry Smith, the real Larry, telling a very funny and touching story about visiting the real Piper, Piper Kerman, in jail. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Cake Shop in New York City for the NYC PodFest. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Ryan Breen, Andrea Simmons, Jeremy Wine, and the crew at NYC PodFest and at Cake Shop, the Yums team, Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patron, Jenna Levine, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time. Do the sticky leg. Do the sticky leg. Yum's the word.